Hello, everybody. Welcome to Best Thoughts. I'm Rick Johns. I'm Will Johns. We're glad that you joined us today as we continue our series on the critical journey based on the book by Janet Hagberg and Robert Gulich. And uh, we've had a blast, Rick, covering these first four stages. Yep. And, and I hope I hope most of our listeners will agree that it was worth hanging on for stage four, mm-hmm. which we talked about last time, because that is so unexpected, really. Yes. That, that God would lead us into this space of doubt and questioning and this feeling like, almost like we're abandoned by God, you know, in a, in a way. Um, but there's something beautiful on the other side of that. And that's and, what we're talking about today, Will. Yes, yes. And that's stage five. Um, but before we dive into that, let's just do a quick recap of what we've covered so far. Uh, stage one is just the, the recognition of God. And so that's a stage when we realize we need God. We we come to faith. Often for many people, it's they, they, they start attending church at that time or some kind of place of spiritual worship. Mm-hmm. And, and then stage two is a life of discipleship. We're like a sponge just soaking up everything we can learn about God, about spirituality, about life. And uh, that's just a, a fun stage of, of massive learning. Yeah. And then in stage three, it's the productive life. We get to put everything we learn into practice. Yep. Very active. We're engaged. That's the time we're usually getting involved in church and things like that. Almost almost every volunteer that's that's heavily involved in our churches, Rick, is probably in stage three or yep. maybe stage five, but we'll, we'll get okay. to that. <laughs> yep, yep. But it's a very productive life. We're doing all this stuff, serving God. It's fun. It's exciting. Everything's going great. And then stage four hits. Boom. And, and we question it all. We question our motives. Yep. We wonder if the whole thing should just be thrown out, if, if it's all just a big deception or illusion or... Yep. you know, man-made, you know, thing. What, what used to excite us no longer does. What used to really satisfy us spiritually just seems empty now. It's a really weird experience to go through. It really is. And and yet, what we found out last week is that God is leading us mm. even in stage four. Mm. Even when we're doubting everything, we're questioning everything. Yep. We feel empty. We feel alone. God is with us right through that journey. I, it reminds me of the Bible verse in, in uh, Psalms 23, even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, yes, I will fear no evil for you are with me. God is with us through that, that dark valley of stage four, mm-hmm. preparing us and, and, and healing us so that... We can experience the joy and the freedom of stage five. Yeah, it actually makes me think of the text. Uh, I think it's uh, in the Old Testament where he says, he shall purify the sons of Levi. <laughs> mm, that's in the Messiah. Exactly. That's uh, one of the, the songs there. Yes. Yeah, so if you've listened to the, <laughs> the Messiah, uh, you've heard this, he shall purify the sons of Levi. And it, that's what stage four feels like to me. It's a purification and you go from uh, that 
kind of productive and the productive stage is great, except that it can kind of tie into your ego. So I see stage four as that time where you have to learn to let go of the eagle ego. <laughs> mm -hmm. You have to learn God is actually enough, just God. And, and I think that this, that really what you just said, Rick explains the first characteristic of stage five as, as Janet Hagberg lists in her book is that we have this renewed sense of God, God's acceptance. Yes. Now in stages one through three, we, we felt accepted by God in certain ways, but by stage five, uh, we feel fully, and I'm, I'm going to read a, a line from her chapter on stage five, we feel fully loved and accepted by God, mm. become ready to do God's will in our lives instead of substituting our own egos yeah. for God's will. Exactly. It's, it's, an, it's an identity shift. Yes, yes. It's an identity shift from the ego and the external things of this world that you know, the, the letters at the end of your name, the house you live in, the car you drive, the clothes you wear, whatever things give us identity in this world, those kind of become empty. Everything becomes empty until through this dark night of the soul coming through the wall, suddenly you realize, or I shouldn't say suddenly, slowly, <laughs> slowly mm -hmm. through a process of purifying and letting go, you come to the place where God is enough, and he is the center of your identity. His love, like she says, his love and acceptance becomes real to you in a way that is so deep. And, and it's one of the reasons why often what plunges us into stage four is a sense of loss. Yeah. Uh, most very likely a sense of failure. You know, something goes wrong in our grandiose plan for our own lives. <laughs> yes. And, uh, and I know that was the case for me. Definitely so, been a lot of failure there, <laughs> but keep going. Yes. I just, uh, my, some people may not know how much just how, how much a constant failure <laughs> there is has led to this uh, journey for you. Um, and so it's in that, like, like when we're succeeding, we kind of think, well, I'm valuable because of what I can do. Yeah. What I'm accomplishing. When we fail and then we enter into God's presence and we still feel loved and yeah. we still feel accepted, we, we recognize that deeper unconditional love and acceptance of God yeah. that we know now deep down in our being is not connected to our performance, our success, our outward ability, our ego accomplishment. Yeah, We know that we are loved simply by existing, by being a child of God. And so there's a there's a brand new freedom that comes with that acceptance. We're no longer striving yeah. to earn God's approval or the approval of others. Yeah. And so a deep sense of peace is also part of stage five, because you suddenly are, not suddenly again, slowly, <laughs> you are able to accept, hey, everything's okay. It's okay in God. So I can be at peace. Even yes. if I were to lose my job, which maybe that's what triggered all this. Even if I were to lose my spouse, maybe that's what triggered all this. Even if I were to suffer the loss, you know, someone died who was close to me mm. or, or some scandal in, in my church that just shook my faith to the core, something like that. 
So, but that's enough. So now you have this peace. It's all okay because all those things are temporary. All those things are transient. All those things can be taken away. They aren't yes. the real thing anyway. So, the, so now you're anchoring to the real things. And then that allows us um, to develop the second characteristic, which is a sense of calling, mm. where now um, we are led directly by God. Yeah, We're no longer following a spiritual leader, a friend, mm. a teacher, some kind of spiritual guru. Yeah, We are sensing from within our real calling, and we're not worried about what other people think about it. Yeah, And, and so and she says a little later in the chapter, which, which makes me laugh, um, often people at stage five are seen as being quite careless about quote, important things. Okay, okay. <laughs> like like people that are all wrapped up in their causes and their, you know, this yeah. their theology and, and growing the church and becoming the best. Converting and, others. And, and saving the souls and converting the world. And the stage five person is just humbly going about their calling, often behind the scenes, yeah. often in low-key ways that others deem unimportant. yeah. And and they're just this this kind of quiet, loving presence, kind of you know, yeah. humbly connecting with others. But we must mention, I think, far more effective. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. Far more effective. They may not have the outward look of productivity and zeal, and we're you know, this is the person that's really nailing everything and and causing great things to be done and great, uh, a great uh, stirring of activity, but they're, they're just following their specific calling, using their specific gifts, and it's the results are so much deeper and bigger than all of that noise and extra activity. I, I, think, of, um, I think of Henry Nouwen, mm. uh, the great spiritual writer yeah. who... Um, I can't remember what university he was teaching at, but he was he was kind of a renowned teacher mm-hmm. at a certain point in his career. And then, and this is a very stage five kind of move. Um, at stage five, he he resigns his teaching position, and um, he goes to work at a home for the mentally disabled. Yeah, <laughs> and he just lovingly serves people that are often, you know ignored or set aside by society as, as unimportant, as not really mattering. Yep. And he just goes there and and shows the love of God, you know. And I think that will lead us into stage six, which we will talk about a little later today, the last stage, which is the life of love. Because Yes, yes. That I mean, ultimately, that's also an example of stage six. Yeah. And, and our contention today, although Janet Hagber doesn't really say it this way, is that stage six is really just going further down the road of stage five. Sure. So so stage five gets us going a certain direction. And then stage six, we just we just keep going. Yeah. And go even farther yeah. down more Christ-like. Down that line. And yeah. I would say, I think Janet does mention that she says once you get to stage five, you don't really go back. Yes. So the other stages, yes. all the way up through four, you can always turn back. You can become a hollow three. We've talked about that. 
Yes. You can kind of, you know, you could leave God in stage four. I think some people just throw everything out and kind of go back to the world and they kind of go back to stage zero. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. And then they have to go back to one, two, and three to kind of work back. But in stage five, you've been through all that. You're a different person now. In stage five, you see things that nobody in the previous stages can see. Mm. And once you see it, you, you can't unsee <laughs> you it. You can't unsee it. It's almost like, you know, the Matrix, you know, like like you could you could <laughs> see the code, yeah. you know. Um, what's another way to, to put that? Um, anyway, you just, you see the world, everything feels different yeah. because of that sense of God's unconditional love and acceptance. Yeah. It just changes what we're focused on yeah, and, and what we're all about. And, and it, it really is a beautiful thing. It doesn't mean though, and, and you know, we could debate this and I'm not sure, but it doesn't mean we may not have still moments of, of trial and sure. deep pain. Of course. That are almost stage four like where we're mm -hmm. where we question once again, you know, God. But I would say that anything like that that happens to us in stage five just leads us deeper into stage five. Right. You know, we may we may once again say, like, God, what are you up to? Why are mm -hmm. you allowing this this tragedy or pain in my life once again? I thought I went through this already. <laughs> yeah. You know, I thought that was, you know, once and for all. But we can also kind of more quickly recognize that God is in it. Yeah. That even through pain, we're growing closer to God. We're you know, God is with us in of very course. deep ways. Of course, because you've been through it. You know, the first yeah. real big dark night of the soul is terrifying because it's dark. You don't know what's at the other side. Once yes. you've been through it, you know, much like crossing a, you know, uh, unknown territory in the dark, if you've done it before, you know you can do it again. And yeah. so I don't think there's usually the same risk uh, risk once you're in stage five, uh, because you say, oh, now you might, it might be hard. It's not saying it's not hard, yeah. but at least, you know, I can get through this. It's, there's not, like you said, I agree. I think there may be pain. It may be very difficult, but there's not the terror that there is yeah. that first time around yeah. where it feels like, especially the more sincere, the more committed you were at stage three, the more it feels like, you know, you're really losing all this wonderful thing that God has given you, it feels like you're losing the most precious thing in your life. Right. And it's very disorienting, you yeah. know, when that starts to happen. Another fascinating thing that you just reminded me of, when I first read this book, I would say I was in stage four or maybe just coming out of stage four a little bit. And I was really intrigued by this concept that when you get to stage five, often you come back to the religion of your origin, <laughs> mm. to the religion of your family. And at that point, I was on the fence because I was questioning everything and I was thinking, well, maybe there's a better you know, religion or a better beliefs or better something because I could see you in stage four, you see all the faults with that system yes. that you grew up yeah. with, the external organized religion piece. Not with God necessarily, but with the the man-made part of it. And you can get very discouraged at whatever 
you know, you grew up with thinking, oh, look how it hurt me and damaged me and wounded me and da, 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 da. But if you do it right, and she, she observed when she interviewed all these people in the book that they often came right back <laughs> to the religion that they started in, but now, like you said, with a whole new attitude. Yes. Now separating the religion from God and recognizing I can still serve this God that I have this new, deeper relationship. Now I just, I have a new relationship and a new way of relating to the external piece. And, and, and you also feel at stage five that you could serve people within your faith community that you, you know, that you were a mm -hmm. part of, that you questioned at stage four, that you could serve people at all four stages yes. previous, you know, that mm -hmm. you can, you can nurture people at stage one, you know, you can, you could teach people at stage two, you can mentor people at stage three, and, and most valuably, you could just be there for people going through stage four yeah, and just be comfortable with it. You yep. know, you'll yep. be the only one in the faith community that's okay with their doubt. <laughs> <laughs> Everyone else will be freaking out or thinking, oh, we've lost them or they're, they've gone off the deep end or, you know, yeah. you yeah. can just say, no, it's okay. It's all right. You know, you'll this get through part this. of the journey. You'll get through it. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. So that's a fascinating part. What other characteristics, uh, Will, does she mention as part of stage five? And then we definitely want to touch a bit on stage six before we close. Yeah, the next one is we we have concern and focus on others' best interests. Mm. And I was going to say this when we were talking about stage four, but this is a perfect time to mention it in this episode, is that part of the disillusionment of going through stage four is that we begin to recognize that our, quote, service of others is very ego driven. Yeah. And I realized, you know, for me when I was going through it, I realized like I needed to be needed. Mm. I needed other people, you know, to need my spiritual guidance. I needed them <laughs> to look to me to have the answers, you know. And then I was angry if they didn't appreciate me enough, you know. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so my service of them was very ego driven. Yeah. And what happens in stage five is we come back and we serve others. Yeah. But it's not ego driven. You know, yeah. it's we genuinely care about the best interest of others. Yeah. So now we have a new love within us and a new love for others. And that's internal. That's that's coming from within the inner journey we did in four now leads to the outward journey of five. And in five, like you said, we we can take a new interest in others that's not ego-driven. And it reminds me of when Jesus said, love your enemies, pray for those who persecute you, because he says, anyone can love those who love them. Yes, yes. <laughs> we yeah. do that. Um, anyone does that naturally. Someone thinks you're awesome, you think they're awesome. Like, hey, yeah. this person, yeah. they, they've got good judgment. <laughs> and that, that's kind of the fun of being at stage three. At stage three, you're often serving people at stage two and one that... They're so appreciative. They're so, you know, uh, wonderful. They're so grateful. And you feel wonderful serving them. You know, oh, these are great people and I'm doing all this good for them. And it, it all works. You know, it's all part of God's plan. So, you know, there's nothing wrong with being at stage three. Right. It's just that in, in stage four, we realize how much ego was in it. Yeah. And how much when someone criticized us, when someone 
didn't like what we were doing, yeah. how much that angered us. We would make them an enemy. We would get into For sure. ridiculous fights with people over things that don't even matter. And yeah. and here, I love that. I got to read this, this uh, line here from, from her book under this section. She says, this focus does not arise out of a need to take care of others, to change others, to fix others, to live through others, or even to negate ourselves or be martyrs. Rather, it comes out of a fullness of God's love for us and for them. Mm. It could mean a nurturing that stretches us beyond our comprehension. It could mean just being there and doing the right thing, the thing that God asks us to do. Yeah. Yep. I mean, it's just that simple. Yeah. But that's a huge change. Yeah. I remember being in stage two and three and... My goal with others for a while there was, how can I convert them? And yes. I got frustrated with people who, you know, wouldn't be converted. <laughs> and yes. uh, it was my agenda for them. And my ego was attached to those that I could lead to Christ or bring to church or whatever. And it was kind of like I was scorekeeping just to see if I was a good Christian doing my job and, you know, getting results. Yeah, it's it's like we we are so consumed with trying to change others because we can't change ourselves. Mm. Fixated on, I need this person to change. Yeah. Because we really are struggling to see that change happen in us. Yeah. And so we get focused on everybody else. Yeah, exactly. One other thing she says in the book about about this stage that I absolutely love is she says we do not burn out at this stage. Hmm. And and I'm going to read this line from her book. We know ourselves well enough to avoid or if necessary to tolerate emotionally draining situations or job settings. We are given insight and grace by God to keep ourselves continually aware of our emotional and physical health and limits. Yep. Yeah. I love that. Yeah, and I think this is the stage after the midlife crisis. <laughs> yes, yes. If you want to look at it from yes. psychology, uh, the midlife crisis, everything blows up. It's kind of that dark night. It's the wall and all of that. And and once you've been through that, then now you you're on the other side, and you're you know if you've done it right, you're on the other side, and you know. And even if something really drains you. It doesn't mean you just blow everything up. You know, I'll make it through. God will get me through. I've got a peace about this. Well, and and what I recognized for myself, Rick, was it was my internal anxiety that kept me on the go 100% of the time. You know, it right. was go, 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 go. I remember my, my, my consistent pattern in college was go at 150 miles an hour all semester. And then when I would get the semester break, I would get sick and crash for two weeks. <laughs> and my body would say, all right, enough. You yeah. abused me for three months. Now yeah. you're going down with illness and you're going to sleep. <laughs> and and I would do that. Yeah. It was like almost every semester of college. And I recognized like this striving, this, this, I have to get it done. This was all searching for value. This was all a restlessness of not, not being at peace with myself. Yeah. And so... When you come out of stage four and you've, you've kind of healed and let go of a lot of that stuff, then there's this sense that it's okay to admit and pay attention to my limits. Yeah, It's okay to say, you know, no, I, I, I need to rest. 
Yeah. I, I've done enough. It's time to rest. Yeah. And that's the beauty of growing into stage five. I don't think I don't think this happens immediately once you get into stage five. I think it's kind of this long growth into stage six yeah. where you're recognizing what's my calling, what's my purpose. It's okay to say no to things that don't align with my calling and my purpose and my talents and my abilities. I don't have to say yes to everyone, to mm -hmm. everything. And I'm talking to somebody who's listening right now. You don't have to say yes to everything. You don't have to worry about what people think. Do the things God has called you. Do the purpose that you have in this world and let some of those other things. And trust me, people will be more touched and more blessed by you the more you're in harmony and, yes. and the more you say no, because yes. you have to kind of learn, this is who I am. This is what I offer the world. The reason I wasn't able to say no is that I needed that. When someone asked me to do something, I needed the ego boost yeah. of like, oh, I'm needed. You know, I'm gonna <laughs> I'm gonna jump on my white horse and yeah. throw on my shiny armor and yep. I'm gonna come to the rescue. Save the day. And everyone's gonna cheer for me. Yeah. And and that feels good yeah. until you go too far and you're yeah. burned out and you're like, then you get mad at the person asking you. Yeah. Yeah. And that's not fair to them. <laughs> it's not their fault. They just asked, you know. Yeah. Or you get mad at the person that you that you already said yes to is more correct. Like Yeah, yeah, that's true. Because <laughs> you already agreed to save them and then you don't have the time or the energy and then and you're like, like, I can't believe they And they and they never appreciate you enough to make it worth it. Right. You know, so. <laughs> <laughs> and then they make you feel bad because you're trying to get your your ego is saying that I will rescue them and then you can't rescue them. So then yeah, yeah it's a catch twenty two. But yeah. it's all brought on by yourself. And so when we let go of that, then we're at peace. We're in, we feel loved and accepted by God. We're following our true calling, our true vocation. We're focused on genuinely serving others. And this leads to a deep calm and stillness within us. Yep. And that's maybe, I think, the greatest gift yeah. that people at stage five bring to others. I think so. And if people remember, if people have listened to our uh, our podcast and the previous series that we did, we talked about systems theory and anxiety mm. and how one of the greatest definitions of a leader is a non-anxious presence. And so here we are in stage five going into six with this deep non-anxious presence, just yes. this peace and stillness. And it is a it is a force in this world. It really is. Wherever room you walk into, you make a difference. Yes, and you and you make a, a, just an amazing difference in other people's lives by just being calm as they share their anxieties, as they share their fears, as they share their situation, bringing that calm, still presence into their anxious state. Yeah. It's, it's contagious. It helps sure. that other person just calm down. It helps them begin to see things they couldn't see before. It helps them trust God more. It helps them yep. trust themselves more. It's very, very powerful. It's a powerful way to serve others. And it's different. You know, this is a different way of serving than stage three. Big you know? time. This Big is, time. you're serving through presence. Yeah. More through presence and less through doing. Like you can't even measure like the gift that comes with just this being in that frame and being in that state of calm and peace. Mm, yes, yeah, absolutely. It's 
We could go on and on about that, Rick, but uh, we probably need to move into stage six, although we don't have a lot to say about stage six. Very likely, if you're at stage six, you did not need any of this podcast. Yes, and you're probably not listening to our podcast because <laughs> you have arrived. Congratulations. And we needed to find you and interview you. Yeah, because, where are uh, you? Because we don't meet very many stage six people. There's not too many. It's definitely um, not my brother. <laughs> He's, he fluctuates between 1.7 and 3.2. That's his stages, depending on the day you find him. But, you know, a simple way to understand stage six is just continuing on this path of stage five, but to deeper levels of faith and trust in God, to, to higher levels of, mm-hmm. of spiritual connectedness, uh, of serving others, of... Uh, calm and and that that stillness that we talked about, yeah. Um, and and what I love is at this stage, um, you know, one of the things that's hard for others to understand, and yet a beautiful gift is the simplicity. Yeah, the person at stage six is is living a very simple life. Others may not look at them as successful, you mm. know. But they're they're very content with their simple life. Yeah. You know, they they've learned the secret that that getting the the better house, the nicer car, the nicer clothes, going on the better vacation, it doesn't have to come through that. Yeah. You know, like there can be joy um, from the simplest thing. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. from simply looking out a window. You know? Yeah. It reminds uh, me of Jesus saying, "Unless you become like a child." There's yeah. kind of this, this irony to the journey that the the older you get, the more mature, the wiser you get, the more childlike yeah. you get. And just and, simple, and, yeah, simple pleasures, simple joys, yes, uh, simple uh, passion for life yes. that uh, wasn't there, but in an it's in a deeper way. And it, it's kind of like you know if you if you look at the difference between. Uh, say how a grandparent or an older person looks at a young child versus how the parent looks at them. <laughs> the parent appreciates the child. They love them, of course, but they're also just incredibly annoyed by all of the ways that this child is disrupting their lives. But the the grandparent and the older person just fully delights in just the child being the child. Yeah, yeah. But the child doesn't have to perform or accomplish anything yeah. And that older person just is delighted by them. Yeah. Just loves to see their expressions and what they how they react to the world. And so in stage six, we just get to this higher level of the simplest things could fill us with joy. Yeah. And I love that she calls it the stage of love, life of love. Yes. Yes. Because it just is love personified. It's at this stage that we completely let go of fear. Yeah. There's, you know, I mean, what, what does the Bible say? The perfect love casts out fear. Mm. And and really only at stage six do you see perfect love yeah. in somebody's, you know, and it's never perfect because we're human. So, yeah. you know, but close. And, um, that's, and that's why we say this stage is not as important in this series because right. <laughs> so few people even really make it to this stage. Uh, but those that do uh, probably have lived a while on this earth. I, I think I think the 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 joy for me and the the, the thing that encourages me, and I, I know I'm not 
anywhere near stage six, is that to me, it gives me a vision for my older years. Yeah. You know? And we've seen, I see it all the time as a pastor. I see people in their 80s and 90s who are in stage five and six and are full of joy. Yeah. And then sadly, I see a bunch of hollow threes. I see people sure. that are just bitter and, and maybe even stuck at stage four and full of fear and anger and bitterness. Yeah. If we don't experience that healing through the stage four process, yeah. as we get older, we're just going to get more and more bitter and angry about life. Yep. And, and more I think, full of fear. I think whatever isn't kind of purified in us through these stage fours, <laughs> if we want to say there's uh, maybe smaller episodes uh, of them that happen. Yeah, that stuff, whatever you're kind of clinging to, whatever you're hanging on to, it will it will come out in those later years because yes. it builds up. It's, you know, Jesus said it's like a seed, you know, a seed when planted is very tiny, but it can grow into something huge. So little wounds can grow into something really huge within us. Little, little resentments. Resentments hanging on to vengeance, hanging on to anger, hanging on to... To past pain, all to victim mentality, you know, all, all of, of that. And, and we may have really been victims of... I mean, we're sure. all victims of the sinful world, of people, sure. terrible people that do terrible things. Um, sure. But the saints figure out a way to let go of all of that. And to kind of replace it with what I would say God's seeds, you know, with I'm loved, I'm accepted, yeah. it's okay. Yeah. This world is temporary. These things don't matter, but the the things of of God matter. Love, peace, joy, beauty, wisdom. These are things that you can't be seen, but they're very real. I know my own kids said to me the other day, you know, like, I hate the thought of getting older. Like, it looks so boring and so awful. And I, <laughs> and I said, I said, yeah, but but you enjoy music, don't you? You know, just imagine that you can enjoy that more deeply as you get older you know mm. you enjoy beauty and and you enjoy art and you enjoy conversations with friends all of these things that yeah. young people enjoy older people can enjoy sure. even more deeply yeah and so you know getting older like like when we're fixated on productivity getting older is only negative yeah because you can't be as productive you'd have less energy yep you know, you're not as strong, you're not as fit, you're not as, you know, whatever. But but the spiritual and the, the emotional, all of that can get so much better. Oh, I agree. And I really feel like the second half of life is the best half. Yes. And for those yes. of us that uh, have dared to enter that territory, <laughs> uh, I speak from experience. I, I really am enjoying the second half of life far more than the first half. And there's, if you do the journey right, and I'm, I'm hoping like you will, that uh, I will continue. And therefore, I want to age into that beautiful life of love and just being that gracious, fun, simple, older person who just values others and, and just makes others feel awesome just by being mm -hmm. around them. And when you're around those people, uh, it's inspiring. And because they've accepted themselves fully and accepted God's love for them fully, they accept others. Well, Will, I think we have come uh, to the final end of this season and these six stages. Uh, it's been really fun to go through. I hope uh, you as our listeners have been blessed and found some interesting information that's helpful to you. You can always reach out to us uh, through the website, mysoulcare.net. 
or through our email, besthoughtspodcast at gmail.com. We'd love to hear from you. Yeah, and we're, we're, as we bring this season to a close, we're already planning and excited about our next season and be watching uh, for a trailer coming up for that. Mm-hmm. And we'll keep you posted on everything else that we've got going. But for now, you've been listening to Best Thoughts with Dr. Rick Johns and myself, Dr. Will Johns. Thank you for joining us for this season of The Critical Journey. Uh, the best compliment you can pay us is... Uh, Share this uh, podcast with your friends. Let them know that we're out there. And if we've been helpful to you, chances are we could be helpful to them as well. May you be blessed as you walk through this critical journey of faith. Amen.